World Cup streaming delivers, but where's the 4K wow? Netflix offers advertisers refunds for viewership shortfalls. What's the new home for HBO Max's Westworld? And music and holiday channels abound in fasts. Listen on for more. Welcome to this week's edition of Inside the Stream. This is Will Richmond from Video News, and that was Colin Dixon from In Screen Media at the beginning, as always. Hey, Colin, are you uh, getting back into the swing with just one World Cup game remaining, the final? Uh, well, actually, there are two because there's the losers' final, Will. Uh, <laughs> okay. But there's also, but as you say, there's there's only one big game left, and that's on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, yes, uh, uh, my time is beginning to come back to work <laughs> with all the distraction from the games. Uh, but boy, it's been a lot of fun, a lot of fun uh, competition. I really enjoyed it. Well, I watched some of the France England match. You'll be happy to know. I, although I'm sure you're unha- obviously unhappy happy with the result but uh but i did watch some of it yeah you know france seemed to have a charmed life Uh, i was watching the morocco game yesterday against them as well and morocco seemed to have the same problem as england they could do everything but score it's like the goal just seems to have a force field around it in france at the moment so i don't know what they're doing but they need to keep doing it uh, because they'll they'll probably need that help on on sunday against argentina to win so you like them as back to back or what do you think i i don't know will i mean if they still keep getting that luck where other teams just can't seem to get it in the goal then yeah i guess they'll repeat but uh I don't know. I think they'll have a tough time against Argentina. Argentina played extremely well in the last game, so yep. uh, they really didn't. They really didn't give Croatia a look in in that game. So if they play like that, I don't know. Could be Argentina. Okay. Well, uh, in today's podcast, we are doing it around the horn, as you mentioned earlier, and actually your World Cup experience across accessing it across different modes is our first story this week. So why don't you go ahead and share what your experience has been? I will. And the first thing I want to say is congrats to all the people that are covering the World Cup games, because in general, the coverage has been fantastic for me, at least. I've seen no stream stalls. uh, I've seen no buffering. And actually, the teams, the games have been attracting pretty good audiences. The USA-England game back in the, the group round attracted 16.5 million. I think the final USA game against Iran attracted nearly 20 million. So lots of people are watching, lots of people are streaming. And as I say, everything seems to have kept going. Now, that said, uh, the quality has been kind of variable, I've noticed. And so I, I actually, will. I was working with a, a company called SimWave to sort of help monitor how things are going. So not only was I watching with multiple services, SimWave has been uh, monitoring the quality and they have this thing called their viewer score, their SimWave viewer score, which gives a, a, the picture a, a score between zero and 100, uh, making it nice and easy to sort of get a grip on how good the stream is. 85 is pretty good. If you're at 85, it's a really good picture. If you're at 30, it probably sucks. No, it does suck. So uh, they've been they've been monitoring and that's been really helpful because certainly their 
measurements seem to really match my experience. So the one that, I, that I've been watching that I think is the best quality is actually on Peacock. If you watch Peacock, the Spanish language coverage there, it's been great. And they say that they've maintained sort of 80, an average 80 score over the, the round of 16 and round of eight games. YouTube TV's 4K coverage gets a higher score. They say it's 85 to 87. And, and they say with their, the way their scoring works, that if there's a difference of five or more, that that's definitely something that you will be able to notice. That That's all to the good. I will say they weren't covering Sling TV. And Sling TV, I'm afraid it has been, their coverage, their, their quality has been the weakest of the three that I have been watching or four that I have been watching with regularity. So a bit, a bit disappointed there. But one thing I wanted to bring up, Will, was um, like you, YouTube has been selling 4K pretty hard for the World Cup. And so I've actually been watching the 4K stream through Fox Sports. So Fox Sports, if you, you know, if you're capable and you have the right equipment and you have a good broadband connection, you should be able to watch in 4K because that, that's how Fox is, is broadcasting it through Fox Sports. Actually, it's 4K and high dynamic range. So it should look really spectacular, but it hasn't been well and I can't figure out why. Because, you know, I've got, I've got all the right equipment. I have a broadband connection that's a fiber connection, 500 megabits symmetrical. So I've got plenty of bandwidth. Um, but I have not been wowed by the quality. In fact, there's often I couldn't tell whether I was watching the Fox Sports stream or the Peacock stream. They both seem to be about the, the same quality to me and in fact that's <laughs> i was asking simwave about this and uh dr dr abdul raymond who's their ceo and cto he said this i thought it was really interesting he said 4k can be significantly better than hd version or worse than hd hd depending on how content processing and encoding workflows perform and so basically what he's saying there is you know, you can you can have something that is being sent to you in 4K resolution, but it still looks not as good or only as good as HD. And I gotta believe that's what's happening here. I, I can't figure it out. And this is a real problem because they they say that Fox Sports has been scoring about the same as YouTube TV. Now I haven't looked at YouTube TV's 4K coverage, but don't you want to be wowed if you pay $10 to get a 4K picture? Don't you want to go, wow, this is like really awesome? <laughs> Absolutely. You want the wow factor. And if you're not getting the wow factor, then you're going to quickly be wondering why you're paying the extra $10 per month. Yeah, exactly. So a couple of other things just real quick here. Latency, that is, um, I've, I've also got an over-the-air antenna which I've been flipping back and forward to the broadcast coverage, which is usually held up as the gold standard in, in uh, against streaming, you usually compare streaming to that. Well, latency of the digital streams were roughly 30 seconds behind, 27 seconds for YouTube TV I found, 35 seconds for Peacock and 40 seconds for Sling. Um, but I gotta say, I, I never saw any stream stalls or buffering. 
um, although there was an issue of Fubo TV, maybe you can you can mention that in just a second. Um, I never saw any issues with stalling, but I did see the broadcast stream stall. It didn't stall. I just got a black screen for about five seconds, and then the coverage came back. So maybe OTA is not uh, over the air is not the gold standard anymore. Anyway, I can tell you that in my viewing, I very often couldn't tell which feed I was watching. So. Well done to all yeah. the streamers. I think they're getting the quality right now. There is still plenty of room to improve. And if you want to learn a lot more about some of the details, I've got a couple of pieces on my site you should check out. But uh, you dug out something on Fubo this morning. What happened there? Yeah, I just I got an email from them and also saw the news article that I guess they got hit by a cyber attack during yesterday's game. And uh, they are addressing it. I, you know, there's really not much more to the story than that, but um, just a reminder that when you're out there streaming, there are a lot of you know, bad actors that you have to contend with. Yeah. Yeah. And also a reminder to the providers that they need to make sure that they've got all the security they need to defeat these sorts of attacks. I think in this case, this was actually a control plane attack where people couldn't actually get couldn't couldn't connect properly or sign up or actually start the stream it wasn't a problem with the stream itself so you know there are plenty of software defense mechanisms that you can put in place to address that so you should probably look at that if you're not doing it all right well should we move on to the next story this week absolutely i think we should well i was really intrigued to read uh in digiday today we're recording on thursday an update about netflix's ad business and of course we all know that it just launched not that long ago and um, netflix has embraced it as um, an important new option that they're giving to subscribers and, and certainly at, at 6.99 it's less expensive than the ad free tiers and they had uh, they've brought in several high-profile folks to to run the ad business. Uh, Digiday reported early that um, in the early experience that their Netflix is actually falling short of some of the guarantees for viewership that Netflix had given to advertisers, and as a result of the shortfalls, Netflix is actually offering advertisers the opportunity to, to get their money back and uh, for any ads that have yet to campaigns that have yet to run so um, that's a departure from the way the tv advertising industry has typically worked when there have been in inventory shortfalls they've usually uh, used this concept of a make good so um, they you know will get some extra inventory and in, you know in the future uh, and I think it sounds like some advertisers want to take their money back some don't they'd rather push it over it's probably a you know kind of a use it or lose it type of situation from their budget so they don't want to um, not be able to make use of that money and um, anyway it was just a you know it's kind of an early indicator Netflix launched pretty quickly after it announced that it was looking into it and it's obviously taken some time to build up the number of subscribers that are using the ad supported tier and to be able to deliver on the projections that they had made to their first group of advertisers 
Yeah, it sounds a bit like a rookie mistake, Will, doesn't it? Uh, that they were uh, overestimating the amount of people that they could reach with the ad plan. Um, I have no doubt that the that the, the number of people taking the Netflix ad plan will increase over time. I think I was looking at some data from Hub and they sort of said about 28 or 30% of HBO Max subscribers were using the ad supported plan and I think that was like about a year after it was introduced so it'll take a while to ramp up they didn't present their subscribers with the fairly brutal decision making that Disney Plus subscribers had to make which maybe we'll mention in a minute the thing the thing that impresses me and makes me believe that Netflix will actually do pretty well here is just looking at the length of time that Netflix subscribers spend with their service. It's the longest of any service by far. Uh, for example, I think it's like two or three times the engagement that Disney Plus is driving on a weekly basis or monthly basis these days. So I think there's plenty of upside for them there. So a bit of a rocky start to start yeah. with. And talking, talking of Disney Plus... Carl, maybe before we get to Disney Plus, because I think that's an interesting one also, um, but just you know, briefly on Netflix, you know, it is probably a little bit of a rookie mistake. But it's also it's a tough one to project how many uh, subscribers are going to take the new tier. And they definitely promoted it. I, I saw a bunch of ads just in my online travels for the new ad-supported tier, six ninety nine. Um, but it's a hard thing at the beginning to calibrate how much yeah. spending and, and what type of campaigns are going channels are going to reach. The audience that wants to take the ad supported here. Uh, so to some extent they're kind of making a best guess and I, I think it's you know to their credit that they've offered advertisers their money back on um, the shortfalls. That I think speaks well for them and, and for the relationships, early relationships that they're trying to build in the advertising community as they come in really for the first time after all these years of being ad free. So uh, and, and also I would say that I, I do agree with you. I think long term this is we've talked about this in the past but long term certainly this is the right move for them and uh, but it's you know it's gonna it's gonna be a little choppy to get there for sure anyway disney plus so yeah so disney i mean disney launched of course on thursday last thursday they launched their ad supported plan and they were crowing about the fact that they had a hundred plus advertisers um and across a whole bunch of categories they listed out a a long list of categories that they covered in the advertising so there were hopefully that means that there aren't too many ad repeats going on on that service because <laughs> they've got such broad coverage but it was not and and so far has not been quite as smooth i think as disney would have liked we think what happened when they introduced the plan was everybody was sort of saw their price were told that their price was going up three dollars but if they wanted to stay at the same price they could opt for an ad supported plan which stayed at the same price so i think that was the deal that people were basically given the problem is if you were a roku owner and you decided that you were going to go for the ad supported plan you would suddenly then not be able to watch disney plus anymore because they're still disney and roku are still haggling over ad splits in the uh, ad supported version and Disney will not let you watch the ad supported version on Roku until they reach a deal with Roku so 
That's a, that's a, must be pretty startling, I think, for people who were offered that choice, decided to go down and watch the ads and suddenly can't watch Disney+. Plus. Yeah, I, I wasn't actually aware of that until you brought it up as we were prepping for the, for the podcast today. But I, I, I want to believe that there was some thing that Disney Plus did for Roku users that essentially disabled their ability to drop down to the ad-supported tier. Um, and maybe gave them some kind of uh, to be determined message or so- something like that. I don't know, but um, certainly uh, it sounds like there must be some. I mean, you got to believe there are millions of households that um, access Disney Plus from their Roku, and if some of those were looking to make the downgrade to the ad-supported tier, somehow they were not able to do that, and still, yeah, they're still. But but as a result, they're getting charged the. $11 per month new price versus the $8 a month old price, 40% increase. Yeah, well, the, certainly the piece I saw, Will, suggested that that was not the case, that they simply couldn't access it once they downgraded, <laughs> which, is, <laughs> that, which is pretty difficult. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, we um, you had another story about HBO pulling Westworld from HBO Max, which struck us as struck both of us as a pretty startling move yeah it, it it is a it is quite a startling move will and the the thing about it is that um as as, as you know we've talked a lot about hbo max and under the tutelage of discovery uh, Warner brothers discovery um and there's been lots of news about h uh, about Warner wb discovery cutting content that's you know finished like a Batgirl movie I think there was a Batgirl movie that was cancelled and several other shows have been cancelled and Westworld actually was one of those shows that got cancelled perhaps justifiably so apparently the the latest season did not do well and was not very popular but for for Westworld fans boy they're going to be startled now because they won't be able to watch Westworld through HBO HBO Max anymore because they're going to pull it and apparently they're going to put it in fast channels they're going to launch some fast channels using that show and a couple of other shows um, i guess to sort of earn some advertising revenue and promote uh, promote the service and get people to sign up for the service this i think will this is something that's definitely going to be a trend for 2023 i think we're going to see a lot of svod services beginning to look at ways to monetize their content better. There's a lot of content in libraries in SVOD services, I think, that's not doing very much. The people that the people that wanted to watch it have watched it. And, you know, so it's not adding a lot to either retention or attracting new subscribers. And that, that content can be better monetized, I think, by doing things like putting it in a fast channel in another service, using that to to promote your premium, your subscription service, that sort of approach. And the, the kind of the way I think Paramount Plus has been using Pluto TV, how Pluto TV and Paramount Plus have been playing off each other, where they'll use Pluto TV to help promote an, a new show. So I think they, they had a new version of The Hills and they showed the old version in channels on Pluto TV to sort of drive interest. And this was, I don't know if you remember, but there was lots of talk about the uplift that SVOD services like Netflix gave to shows like The Walking Dead. 
by actually having the previous season and that got people all keen to watch the new season and have far more people tuning in to the season when it started on broadcast TV. So I think the same effect is going to be happened here. So anyway, bottom line here is this is a trend for 2023. We're going to see this happen a lot. But boy, I bet the HBO Max fans of Westworld are not happy about this. Yeah, actually, I wasn't sure that I read that they were going to transfer Westworld to a fast channel or whether they said they just weren't sure what they were going to do to it. Did, did, you, did you say you saw that? You actually read that that was a plan that they had? Actually, you are correct. You are correct, Will. Uh, Will. That is, they haven't absolutely said that that's what they're going to do. In fact, what Zaslav said was, uh, we will be aggressively attacking the AVOD market with our fast offering in 2023. So, but I think it makes perfect sense for them to take a property like Westworld and use that to help them launch their fast their fast offering in 2023. So, uh, if he hasn't said it, I fully expect him to do it. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting to think about. Um, my first reaction when I read that they were taking Fast West, Fast World, then they were taking Westworld off of Max, was that they are going to turn around and license it to Netflix or Amazon or somebody else, potentially including another Fast channel, um, because they're trying to cut costs and raise revenue as furiously as they can, it seemed like it might be an immediate revenue opportunity for them. Um, but to your point, maybe they'll do some kind of a hybrid approach where some of the episodes will run within a fast environment. And then if you want to watch more, then you have to pay for them in, in some way. Um, and I yeah. and I have been reading about a new acronym maybe you've heard of as well, HVOD, Hybrid Video On Demand. And I think that gets to the point that you were saying before. But, um, you know, but just one of the comments about Westworld is that struck me was that we all know in the early years of streaming, the major studios were basically collecting a lot of incremental revenue by licensing their older shows to Netflix. That's how Netflix really gained a big library at the beginning. And then they, the studios and networks kind of realized, wait a second, Netflix is getting too big. We want to launch our own streaming services. We're going to pull these back so that we have them for ourselves. Now we're seeing Westworld be dropped from HBO Max. And if it were to get licensed over to Netflix or Amazon, it would represent a little bit of a reversal of the reversal in that yeah. HBO Max would be. And, and Westworld, I, you know, I didn't, I only watched the first, I think, half of the first season. It didn't really do it for me. Um, but it was a well-nominated and well-awarded show, maybe notwithstanding the last episode, uh, the last season not doing that well. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's a franchise. It was a franchise for them. And to have that show up on another streaming service does seem like it would be a step in the different in a different direction for for uh, Warner Brothers Discovery compared to the trend that we've seen over the last you know call it five six years yeah but I, I mean I think it's everything's on the table will yeah. if they can if they can license it non-exclusively and monetize in their fast service um, more power to them that's you know as you say they got a sh they got a lot of debt that they need to pay down and they need to be earning money everywhere they can I just, I guess, I'm just wondering what this says for the HBO Max uh, Discovery Plus joint service. 
they're going to need a lot of good content coming in there and, and you know taking content out the library they better have some good stuff lined up to come to come in and, and help attract people in when that when that launches too and I, I just I guess I'm just a little nervous seeing great content coming out of that library and not great content coming into it so exactly very difficult for them exactly that makes sense and I think the key term there as you said was everything is on the table yeah <laughs> abs- absolutely probably everything is on the table um, especially at Warner Brothers Discovery uh, just one last story this week Colin that um, I think we've both been tracking is the a ramp up in music channel music fast speaking of fast the ramp up of music fast channels and um, vivo has really been aggressive on this front they've launched channels with free v and local now and roku and others um, and most recently just last week there was a deal where warner music wmx launched three channels exclusively with um, Roku, uh, WMX pop, rock, and hip-hop channels. And Roku had separately launched a bunch of iHeart media channels as well. So there seems to be a lot of momentum behind music fast channels right now. And I was speaking with the CEO of Zeip, uh, Ed Lazinski, who is uh, Zype is powering the WMX experience, fast experiences on Roku. And we were just kind of talking about the dynamics of fast. And he was making the point, um, as he said, that oh, there are still a lot of eyeballs coming on, still to come online for fast channels. And I, I agree with that. I think there is still a lot of growth ahead here in fast, especially given yep. the economic uncertainty and the quality of programming that's coming into fast and so that's um i I, you know i think a real growth area for the industry the the question that i raised with ed and might be interesting for us to um, speak to for a moment is the better the programming gets that's available for free is that going to shift consumer expectations that more and more stuff should be available for free as opposed to paid and what does that dynamic look like as we go forward? Um, you know, obviously there are a lot of paid services. That's where a lot of the action has been in originals and in streaming services. But as more free stuff comes out, how does that alter viewers' expectations? So I throw that out there as a yeah. question. Yeah, and, and the fact that, of course, free services now have started producing some original content themselves. Exactly. Um, uh, so so that that's, that's definitely going to be a trend, too. Uh, as you say, you know, uh, there's a lot of people that are c- going to come to fasts that haven't yet. Um, there's definitely a comfort food. There's still a lot of people who spend a lot of time with traditional television. And as they spend more time with streaming, which which is fairly inevitable that they will, they will rediscover that they can they can still watch streamed channels or, or regular linear channels there, uh, and the better the quality, yes. I mean they, they they want to make the channels as good quality as possible to attract as many eyeballs as possible. So there's there's a lot of intrigue and interest I think for all of us uh, over the next year or so, as fast linears really find their place in in our viewing. Um, my suspicion is that it's they will remain really focused on 
sort of non non peak non premium viewing and that we'll probably still reserve our ad free services or at least the services we pay for for more prime time viewing but hey who's to say that they can't be successful in making some inroads there as well i mean people are pretty used to watching linear channels so maybe maybe they will make some inroads into our prime time viewing time so yeah i guess we'll have to we'll have to wait and see right and that the other thought there is what impact if any does that have on the rate of cord cutting if um there's better quality programming available for free does that just give uh pay tv you know sort of non-sports fan marginal sports fan pay tv subscribers all the more reason to not subscribe any longer because they just have a greater range yeah. of free content available to them and a lot yeah, of what's I on cable is already ad supported anyway so you're really just switching one ad supported experience for another ad supported experience this one being free yeah i think that's absolutely true well and one of the other things that i've been i know i know you've been sort of seeing these mails float into inbox as well inbox as well a lot of the fast linear services are launching the holiday themed channels. Yeah. I got one from Roku, Samsung, Vizio. I mean, they're, they're launching because of the nature of the digital environment. It's so much easier for them to put channels up and take them down again later. So they're doing holiday themed channels now. There's a bunch of them out there. Roku launched 13 channels, I think, a couple of weeks ago. And those channels included a bunch of Christmas stuff there was let's see iHeart Christmas there's a lot of talking on the music iHeart Christmas there's yeah. um, iHeart North Pole Radio Christmas Jazz Christmas Classics um, along with sport and uh, there's even a Vivo Holiday Channel there Will so you know this is definitely something that I think is one of the advantages of that of the digital domain being able to quickly launch theme channels like this and then take them down when when things when when we move on to the next holiday so uh, yeah another reason to attract viewers to that environment pop-up fast channels basically that'll be the next uh that's that the next that's acronym p fast p fast is that the next <laughs> a p fast channel <laughs> wait that has another i don't know, uh, I don't a, know. it doesn't that doesn't sound right <laughs> yeah there seems like another implication there that maybe is a little r-rated um <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not so fast on that one. Anyway, uh, anything else on your end, or should we wrap up? No, I think I think we've uh, taken up enough of our listeners' time. Will I think it's time for us to to sign off. And next week, we are going to do a countdown of our top ten stories of the year. So make sure you check that out either next week or over the holidays. And uh, yeah, that's what we'll be doing next week. It's a tradition. It'll be our last podcast of 23. I'm sorry, of 22. Of 22. Let me not jump in. 22. Yeah. Good. Well, we'll see everybody again next week. Uh, Thanks again for listening in on this week's Inside the Stream. And again, we'll be back next week with our top 10. Inside the Stream is a production of InScreen Media and Video News, all rights reserved. <laughs>